0: All right, let's get started. Busy, busy afternoon here with topics worthy of discussion. And our panel is comprised of David Wills, Senior Vice President of Media Profile. That's a leading Toronto public relations agency. David, good to see you again. Good to see you, John. Glad thank, to be here. Thank you. Peter Sherman, broadcaster, businessman, former PC MPP up Thornhill Way. How's Peter?
1: Always a pleasure to be with you, sir, Mr. Th- Oakley.
0: Thank you. And Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor, Councilor for Ward 3 at Tobago Center. How's Stephen doing? I'm doing just great. Always glad to be on the show with you. All right. Well, glad to make the time away from the hustings. I mean, busy, busy days, eh? Up until, I guess, 11 more, and uh, then we find out for sure if, it all comes to fruition. I don't know, we've seen the polls. Uh, the most recent says and this was uh, Bosanov's group that says uh, Tory is up on Key's mat two to one effectively, 15 percent undecided or third-party candidates. Uh, so it's really his to lose. I guess where it gets interesting is with counselors, the contests there. What are you hearing at the doors, Stephen Holliday.
2: Well, I think that poll is generous, at least out in the West End. Eh? Look, I've got my own sample. I've been knocking on thousands of doors. Uh, really, uh, I, I, you're right. It's uh, it's John Tory's to lose. I'm not sure that uh, Jennifer Keysmat is resonating at all out in the suburbs, at least not in, out in Etobicoke. And if you did the uh, the sign count, I could probably see uh, her signs on the, the fingers of my hands.
0: Really? Sign counts still mean anything? I mean, Sherman, when you ran, I mean, uh, did you actually calibrate support by the number of lawn signs?
1: Sign counts are a big deal. And the thing to look, if you really want to know what, what the signs are indicating, don't look at the ones at the side of the road because people just stick them up, the, the candidates' uh, teams just stick them up at the side of the road, which they're allowed to do. Look at lawn signs, signs that are actually on people's lawns because they've said, yes, I want your sign. And that gives you a reasonable indication. And uh, And so, yes... They count. I got to tell you something, though. There's no issue about whether Stephen Holliday is going to win, and there's no issue about whether John Tory is going to win, and uh, Jennifer Hazmat, uh, sorry, Kizmat, is is going to, I think, is she's prepping for 2022, personally. The big race, to me, is Brampton. Because that's a very popular mayor in Linda Jeffrey, But Patrick Brown, the former PC leader, has been fighting like crazy to get that job. So it's going to be fun to watch that night.
0: Right. He wanted to be regional chair, but we know that got scotched. Uh, Doug took that off the table. Yeah. All right. Uh, David Wills, when it comes to these kinds of campaigns, I mean, uh, since we've already conceded that Tory, it's his to lose, or can it be flipped with 11 days to go in your own experience? I mean, what happens in the so-called 11th hour?
3: Well, I think it's rare that they flip like that. Like there, there seems to be a gap to me. The bigger issue is that there is no interest in this campaign. Like there is, it's low energy. It is, you know, I think the kind of the, the bomb (laughs) that the premier dropped on the, on the municipal election sucked not only the oxygen out of the space for a while, but it also sucked the interest out of the race. You know, I work with a lot of young people, a lot of people under 30. Most of them are not, not voting. They don't care and they don't care because. You know they're looking at all of these things. People making decisions on their behalf, and they're just like, not going to have anything to do with it. And people I know who always vote are not interested. Like they're like, they're oh yeah, I'm going to vote, but I got to look it up, and they're not engaged. Uh, You know, there's no, um, there doesn't seem to be a a topic that uh, that galvanizes them. Yeah, like you know, people aren't interested you, well, know. I, you know john
2: I, people are interested i think and it's growing now we're getting closer to the election there's excitement there's electrification out there and i feel it and i sense it when dealing with people but one thing you did say uh, there david is 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 something that i'm seeing too is there isn't a galvanizing issue or a big overarching city issue the things that people are talking to me about are really local they're about service. There's about, you know, getting potholes fixed, about speeding on their roads or their trees getting trimmed and just dealing with City Hall in general, which is natural. And it's it's the type of thing that affects us as citizens in the city. But there aren't those big banner issues that, that uh, people try to define this election as being about.
1: Which is why I agree with David. And you know what? This is recorded, right, John? Yeah, why not? I'm I'm thinking, uh, without trying to usurp your hosting duties, it would be kind of fun if we each spit out the percentage of voter turnout that's going to happen overall in this election and listen to it in about three weeks.
0: Actually, uh, the closest I can actually come to approximating that the discussion I had with Wills on the Leaf power play, uh, the over-under. They're playing Detroit tonight. <laughs>
1: that was That's seven. Seven,
3: seven. is the okay,
0: over-under. Yeah. The Leaf that's now, recorded. So Let's put that okay, down. Okay, so
1: seven percent is what he thinks the voter uh, turnout is going to yeah. be. Uh, I think if we're lucky, yeah. That that's, might I think be high. It's gonna be, I think it's going to be between 25 and 30.
0: No, period. I, wow, be, that's low. That's just, uh, that's abysmal. Yep. yep. But here's the question, you know, since you brought this up, the young people don't get mobilized to vote. Uh, I'm, I'm digressing of sorts, but When Taylor Swift at the American Music Awards the other night uh, stops the proceedings to talk about registering to vote, she's got 122 million Twitter followers, and Kanye West was at the White House today uh, holding court with Donald Trump. Do you think these pop culture figures like Kanye or Taylor Swift mean anything in the grand sweep of things when it comes to influencing people?
1: I think they're really important, uh, I, at least in the context of what's going on in the United States on the grand scale right now. I, I don't know how important uh, it would be. For example, let's take Drake, you know, local figure. I mean, he's an international figure, but he's Torontonian by, by nature and by recognition. Uh, what if he said this election is really important and you've got to go out there and express your view because you guys now are taking over the city? It's not these old people. If he said that, would that matter? I think it might.
0: All right, well, we see uh, where this whole marijuana legalization thing has resonated with the younger cohort, Uh, although even some of the folks 55-plus are now uh, talking about, you know, being energized to smoke or try it. Let me ask you another question. The rollout of this thing is only six days out. How do you anticipate this? Because I've talked about it as it's almost a work in progress or a social experiment that's going to be rolled out here. There are a lot of attendant questions unanswered, a lot of speculation. Will it be a gong show or smooth sailing in the immediate future or even within the six months, first year, David Wills?
3: I think it's going to be a gong show on the day that it happens. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of people who feel that they're free to be idiots smoking weed wherever they want, and that's going to happen, and the media's all going to cover it, and we're going to see it. We're going to smell it everywhere, but I smell it everywhere now, so that's not that new. I do think that there's so much of a big unknown in this Um, and how it's going to go out. I, you know, I think how the, you know, and I'm not sure whose job this is, and maybe Steven can enlighten us that like the illegal stores that are there now, like, you know, they're still being allowed to operate. They're still there. Um, how do you knock that out once it's legal and you can buy it legally online and then next April you can buy it in the, you know, the Ontario will allow stores. Like to me, those stores that front ran this, who opened early. Uh, I don't think they should be eligible to get licenses. Mm -hmm. I think that they broke the law knowingly. They weren't patient and they jumped on this. And and I think that has to go. I think that's really going to be determined on the chaos on it is can the police and, you know, whether it's the municipalities or the province effectively shut them down and keep them shut down once legalization happens.
0: Well, they thought they'd establish a beachhead because they were anticipating the legalization coming and everything like that. So as long as they stayed in the game, they'd be players. But to your point, yeah, they'd be shut down uh, for being illegal and not having Gotten licensed by the alcohol and gaming makes them
3: ineligible to get one. That's I don't know if that's the case or not. Those are being developed called
2: bootlegging.
3: Yeah, but you know,
2: I I I get the business model, the the approach of you know let's let's absorb the risk at the beginning of running an illegal operation, so that when the clock takes over, we've already established our spot in the marketplace. We've got our customers, we've got our supply chain in place, and then we'll deal with uh, you know the legal matters later. It's like you know, build it and ask for forgiveness later. But uh, if the government's serious about regulating this and serious about licensing certain purveyors of the product, uh, then everyone else is a bootlegger and a competitor to the province making money off of those, uh, yep. those licenses and the, the vitality of those that actually got the licenses. But we also have to
3: remember that those storefronts that are operating now are selling illegal weed right now. Agreed. They're not buying from a licensed producer. So they're breaking a bunch of rules on everybody's on this right
1: you yep. you guys are right uh, and and you know what If you remember back a few weeks ago when uh, Fideli Finance Minister, and Mulroney, the Attorney General, announced that they were changing the model, they were very clear on if you're operating now, shut down because you're not going to get a license. Well, you know, uh, I've, nobody's shutting them down, so that tells you something, number one. Number two, I think probably when April comes along uh, and we get sort of wave two, when the people who have gotten licenses open the stores, you're going to have serious marketing, which means radio, television, advertising, social media, advertising, all that stuff. And I suspect that some of the people behind these illegal stores are going to, under other names or corporate names, have applied for and in many cases gotten licenses. So I think these people are indeed temporary. I'm not excusing them in any way because you're right, David, they shouldn't be there. But they're there. Nobody's taking them away.
0: You know, it's interesting because earlier today, Carolyn Mulroney, who's the uh, attorney general in the province, came out with a statement. She says, We chose to move ahead with a tightly regulated private retail system because the public model proposed by the previous Liberal government and championed by some labor groups would be incapable of seriously competing with the illegal market. Under the previous model, our communities would have been left more vulnerable and susceptible to the underground market. Instead, a tightly regulated private retail model was the preferred and only responsible choice in Ontario. And yet Warren Smokey Thomas, the head of OPSU, was on with us last hour and he was claiming that this was the wrong approach. He cited a Nanos poll that they commissioned where uh, I guess a thousand Ontarians responded and uh, according to the findings, at least 11 times are more likely to choose the LCBO over private stores to keep cannabis and alcohol out of the hands of kids. Almost four times more likely to choose the LCBO over private stores to generate more public revenue to invest in healthcare, highways and other public services. So he was touting the public model, and he was willing to concede that if Ford is going with this private model, uh, then why not a hybrid? Because Doug's big on competition, so Smokey said. So allow for both. Stephen Holiday, how do you see it? Which would be the preferred model?
2: Look, I like the decentralized model, the de- diversification of, uh, of the different supply points. If there's a problem with one of the suppliers, then, then, you know, the people of Ontario still have a place to go to buy this product. And look, you know, keeping it out of kids' hands is far beyond, uh, you know, looking at just the retailer. This is a product that you can slip in your pocket, that can easily be exchanged between people. And I, I think the really keeping it out of kids' hands has to do more with education and, uh, and policing.
0: All right, you know the public model. Does it still have anything to recommend it, David Wills?
3: I, you know, I agree with Smokey. You're not surprised by that. I no, see that you didn't fall out of your chair, <laughs> but I, but I do think that you know the the, the hybrid of having them both. You're going to determine whether what people like. They can they can vote with their wallet. Then and that they may like that experience or they may like the private experience. I think what's key here, and this is sort of lost because, uh, you know, the the little spin at the end of the 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 AG's um, uh, thing on that about you know, a little shot at the public service is that it has to be tightly regulated. And I think that's what they're focused on. And then it doesn't matter whether it's a uh, LCBO model or a private model. The regulation is going to be the regulation, no matter whether it's public or private. I liked the public model because I thought we needed to learn things. I thought it was the fastest way to market. Um, you know, I know they were a little tepid in how they're rolling it out. Which, but only
0: 40 stores initially.
3: Yeah, that like, uh, but you know, if, give me a rationale on why 40 and I'll listen to it, but it just seemed you know, a little bit of pulled out of the air. But I think the idea of blowing it wide open to to anybody and everybody becomes very tough because uh, you know we're, what we'll see very quickly is massive consolidation. That's what's going to happen.
1: All right. I think I think that we have to come into this century, and I think that uh, when you ask the question, "Can you see a hybrid?" John, I can see a hybrid, and I think the hybrid, and and this is for you, Smoky, uh, would be the LCBO being able to sell cannabis and private stores being able to sell booze, and and I think that uh, you take a look at Alberta; that's the model. That's the model they're going to do with uh, with weed, and I think it's uh, it's worthy, and that's an NDP government, David Wills.
3: Well, we got we got private. Sales of booze now,
1: like uh, in, in small towns. I'm talking about generally oh, speaking.
3: Every supermarket in my neighborhood in Toronto sells
1: booze. Now. They sell some beer and some wine. I'm saying let's sell spirits. Let's have private liquor stores. Let's do the whole thing.
2: Well, the, the product is You're so a hard small. Liquor guy, you could I guess. just put it into a vending <laughs> bourbon, machine bourbon. inside the LCBO and rent the space to the company to manage the vending machine. Well, there, a there is, ways re- to there do is this.
3: research that you shouldn't sell alcohol and cannabis together. They, they found True. that in other jurisdictions. Right. So uh, that mm-hmm. was one of the things that that everybody was sort of agreeing on that they shouldn't be packaged up together well, in
0: the states you know they have a uh a liquor store right beside the gun mart. How do you yeah. feel about that combination?
3: Well, I think you know, if they want they can put the weed in the Doritos together and then mm. that like you know, we can
2: we can look at the you vertical. Just go out one door and come way. back in one, right? Yeah. At heart you're an entrepreneur, David. Yeah, absolutely. All right.
0: Well we've got something else with national implications. I wanted to run by you. It's a Supreme Court ruling. Did the Supremes get it right or did they get it wrong? With our panel David Wills, Peter Sherman, Stephen Holliday, in a moment here on the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto.
1: We know that Doug's new half-baked approach will serve the interests of for-profits and his own cronies who are going to cash in big, and some may already have. And believe me, there are some eyebrow-raising connections that reek of cronyism.